co-host of Super GG Radio. This special midweek episode is a conversation with Andrew Trahan, one of three from developer Stray Basilisk. They are currently working on Steamhounds, a great multiplayer steampunk-themed JRPG and tactical battle hybrid we played back in Session 12's early adopter segment. We discussed Andrew's way into game development, the dynamic of working as an indie team, Steamhounds and the progress being made towards final release, and a little bit about what he's been playing. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew R. Trahan or the team at Stray Basilisk to keep up to date on their progress in developing Steamhounds. This info will be included in the show notes as well. Final note before we begin. The audio unfortunately came out with a little extra background noise and static than we're usually comfortable sharing, but rather than cut parts with noise, we've decided to release the interview in full. Apologies in advance for that. We had a lot of fun talking to Andrew and hope you'll enjoy listening. Thanks. What's good, Internet? And you're listening to Super GG Radio, an interview, something we don't normally do. With us, I have Andrew, one, uh, one of the creators of Steamhound. Is is it just you, or is there uh, a team with you? No, there's actually uh, three of us. It's just me today. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll hear my lovely voice. But uh, yeah, there's uh, three of us. So a little background. I am a sound designer and game designer on this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two more members. One person does primarily music. The other is primarily the programmer. And uh, everyone has their fingers on the design because this is basically this is our first real serious foray into game development so everybody's learning the ropes everyone's wearing a lot of different hats so yeah that's basically in a nutshell our kind of background right now do you have a degree not in game design (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah my background's a little interesting where so i went to college for uh, electrical engineering, actually. Um, So I have a background in uh, electrical engineering design for hardware and also software. So I have a coding background, which helps out a lot when designing game mechanics. So you can understand how things will eventually be implemented. I don't pretend to have a super great grasp on the nitty gritty. I let Jason, our programmer, um, he's located in the UK. (laughs) I let him handle all that kind of stuff. And basically let him tell me if things are unreasonable <laughs> so but no yeah so that's kind of my background i've been playing games all my life and it took me a little while to realize that hey you know you can take your music and sound design passion and combine it with that kind of design bent and expertise and know-how that programming kind of helps you out with so yeah, I've done a lot of different stuff. <laughs> I've I've designed hardware for audio hardware company, okay. and I've worked in the educational and corporate sector doing instructional design. Which is, if anyone doesn't know what that is, I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> but it is basically making all those lovely trainings and courses in education, helping teachers teach. Basically, oh, uh, so. 
I will, uh, I'll ease back on the corporate jargon because I know you're all really big fans of that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, if I lapse into that, just cut my mic or something let me know. <laughs> no, I'm just flattered that you have listened enough to us, of us to know. <laughs> uh, I, I do my homework. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what exactly got you interested in games development? Well, ever since I was a kid, and this is really funny now that I'm just thinking about it right now, I used to play a lot of single-player games with friends. So your Resident Evils at the time and your Metal Gears and all that kind of stuff. And my friends would get annoyed at me whenever I was the first player and I was controlling the game because I would really, how do they say it, uh, explore the space, so to speak, <laughs> and just kind of mess around with everything. To see, like, oh man, I wonder if I do this, if this will happen, or I wonder did they did they kind of map out every single section of this screen, basically, so I can find all those little Easter eggs and pushing the boundaries, you know, really, yeah, push the boundaries, break some walls, mess around with physics, all that kind of stuff. That kind of set the stage for later on where I got really into kind of or like so I look up things like, oh, how did this game developer get started? What did they do? What was the reasoning behind making this decision and this certain game and the design choices? And I got to a point where after I had graduated college and I had a little bit of time on my hands after I got into my first full time job. And I'm like, all right, what do I want to do? And I'm like, hey, let's look at game development, you know, you know, yeah, of course <laughs> you're a, yeah, so I mean, as as a lot of people kind of sometimes think about, I think enough people think about, at least for our generation, they think about, oh, yeah, I'm going to get into into games, maybe professionally. It's kind of like the equivalent of someone thinking they're going to, I don't know, run a bar or something like that. It's kind of the same thing. <laughs> right. It kind of seems fraught with danger at some point, especially with some of the stories you hear about independent game development. Uh, not to get too personal, but is this something that is your full-time work that you all are into or do you all manage a day job while you're working on this project so full-time is kind of the goal for us myself i am working full-time at my day job right now doing instructional design and this is what i do in the hours that i have to myself it's kind of working almost two jobs in a way of course this is kind of the same for our music guy paul who lives in california he has a full-time job but, however, our programmer, Jason, who's in the UK, he is basically working on this full time. He does some contract work to pay the bills while he's doing this and making this a reality. I would say I think Jason would be the only real example of him doing this full time at this point. But the goal is to you know push from the kind of like prosumer kind of <laughs> hobbyist area into full-time professional development and that's that's a very difficult jump and it's taken um, a couple of us a few tries to get there i've been on a couple of teams you know your quintessential reddit startups you you kind of look around the forums a little bit your subreddits you try to find interesting projects you you sign up about 99 percent of them fizzle fizzle out in one of two ways uh the first way is that not a not enough people like your project essentially mm -hmm. the other way is that too many people like your project and then Everyone signs on and huddles into a Slack or a Discord server, and then whoever's great idea it was to run this gets gets a little overwhelmed, and then things just kind of unravel from there. <laughs> so, um, so this is not necessarily your first kind of project you've tried out, but this is the first one that's really gotten some legs under it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've worked on a couple of games, the vast majority of them never saw the light of day. 
they, I basically how I got to Steamhounds or how I got to Stray Basilisk, which is the name of our company. Essentially, what happened was I had just got out of a kind of a long time development stint doing sound design for for a game, uh, for a couple of reasons. One of which was that the person running the whole project was a little bit overwhelmed and kind of <laughs> clutching at straws a little bit. Mm-hmm. I also had a, a little bit of a disagreement on uh, like creative direction as well. So it got to a point where I'm like, hey, you know, I think I'm going to step down. You know, I, I think you guys can find some talented people. And that was that. It was, it was a couple of months afterwards and I was looking around on, it was probably like something like Game Dev Classifieds or something like that. And I'm like, you know what? Let's, let's look and see if we can find a new project. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. So eventually I found a post from Jason. It had our, basically a, it was, it was a looking for collaborators post basically. Okay. Um, which, which was interesting because it wasn't like I need a pixel artist or I need a sound designer. And he's like, I, I want someone who will be willing to devote some time to this, get their hands dirty with design and basically wear any hats that you really, that we need basically. So it was refreshing because it seemed like he kind of knew what he was doing a little bit, <laughs> maybe, or at least knew how much he didn't know, which was great. Um, Perfect. So basically i applied um after a few chats with jason brought on officially for sound design and we worked with that a little while but eventually i got into the actual game design and making those kinds of choices and a whole ton of other things on the business side and all that kind of stuff paul our music guy was actually brought on a couple months earlier so it was really it was actually nice to be able to bounce off ideas between two sound basically two sound oriented guys and figuring out what worked what didn't work and all that kind of stuff so Basically, when I joined our core trio that became what was known as Stray Basilisk was pretty much set. So basically, all of us had some experience working on small games, but this is our first serious like foray into game development. I, uh, I'm actually surprised with such a small team that you'd be able to silo yourself off in prior projects like that. You would think with such a, a small core team for some of these things, you'd have to have the ability to dabble in all different aspects of game design not just uh your core competencies yeah and 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 that's an interesting kind of statement to make because a lot of times when you see new game designers and new like producers basically they'll make these postings that they're looking for like 20 positions and it's it's kind of it just blows my mind because in order to make a structure like that work you need some really talented people who are very specific with what they do and i mean the math usually just doesn't work out so mm-hmm. for better or for worse for indie teams if you're new and starting out and you don't have a lot of games underneath your belt and you, or even if you do though you need to have a willingness to figure stuff out in areas that you're not trained in or you're not initially comfortable with. Just so, for example, I've done a lot of work with the UI and layout for Steam Hounds, and graphic design is not my forte. I will say that first <laughs> and foremost, but I've learned a lot. And I mean, I've been on this team for about two years now, uh, maybe a little bit over. 
and we've all come a long way with what we've learned. None of us, absolutely none of us knew the business side of all this. Uh, it's like, okay, well, I know that I have to set up an LLC probably, and we probably have to do something with, I don't know, the game's name and to make sure that no one steals stuff or whatever. And that was basically the gist of it a couple of years ago. And now all of that is handled, basically, uh, I hope. Uh, <laughs> so, and we're working with contractors right now, and that's going that's going a lot more smoothly than it probably would have two years ago because we did our homework, we looked things up, we talked to a lot of people. That's incredibly important, talking to people who know a lot more than you do, which is every pretty much everybody when you're first starting. <laughs> of course. Uh, so you just got to ask the right questions and know where to look for certain things. So yeah, that when you're first kind of getting into development, I guess I'll, I'll call it basically, and anyone who works on a game as a developer, I'd say. Um, it's different from a programmer or a designer or anything like that. Game developers, basically, if you're, if you're working on a game, especially on the indie level, you're a developer, basically. Oh, yeah. because, <laughs> because you've probably touched just about every bit of the project in some, some way, shape, or form. It's hard, it's, hard to, sure. it's hard to specialize in those situations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even people who are saying like, okay, I'm the artist. A lot of times in the indie scene, like you're not just the artist. You're like, you're testing the game. Uh, you're definitely doing something with, you have some say in design usually. You're usually prototyping too, depending on what engine you're using. You can get your hands dirty with that. And I mean, unless you find uh, a publisher and stuff like that, you're probably you know boots on the ground doing marketing and doing social media and all those other things and it gets to be a lot so no one is just something no one is just their quote like job title essentially everyone's everyone's doing something else and you'd be surprised who has knowledge and what if you ask the right people the right questions oh yeah sure uh, so uh, my my background is project management so I could probably talk about this kind of stuff all day but <laughs> Oh gosh, I really but, uh, wish I could. <laughs> I have a lot but, of questions. But but maybe we should uh, pivot real quick to the actual game you're working on. So maybe uh, you could, in your own words, describe Steamhounds, what the project is, what the game is. Sure. So let me pull up the Steam page real quick. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, Steamhounds is a mashup of traditional JRPG and tactical grid-based combat games where... You fight in competitive turn-based combat. You use team formations uh, to set off chain reactions to gain the upper hand in battle. So basically, I'd like to ask you the question, like, how many times have you discovered a really cool, strong character party in an RPG and you wish you could battle your friends and show off your strategies and who has the best one, basically? Like, what if your characters in Final Fantasy VII could fight your characters in Final Fantasy VI? You know, you have these, these different, like, parties and all that kind of stuff and different characters and unique movesets and all that kind of stuff. So basically, we're trying to answer that question. So it's turn-based combat, so it should be familiar to anyone who's kind of played an RPG of sorts. Mm -hmm. And we're really focusing on the multiplayer aspect right now. And yeah, basically, in terms of like the fantasy of it, we are working on kind of like a, a, a fallen steampunk city where your characters are basically mercenaries and you kind of run a crew to keep the gears turning, essentially, for these uh, shadowy factions and powers. So, okay. So you get more into that with kind of like the single player experience, which I could probably talk about that for a while. But the first 
first things first, we really want to focus on that multiplayer because there's not a lot of pure turn-based combat experiences that go into multiplayer, so to speak. There's There's been a few games out recently that are they'll add like card kind of card game mechanics on top of it mm-hmm. or, and stuff like that. Or they won't but. actually have the turn-based combat. You ever played Dissidia? It's not, it's Final Fantasy combat and it's not turn-based. Yeah. So everyone has their own like unique little spin on it. Ours is basically these characters are on a kind of limited grid mm-hmm. where a character, your team is on a three by three grid. Your opponents are on a three by three grid. And depending on where you lay out your characters and the positions on there, you can take advantage of certain bonuses and you can pull off different strategies depending on basically what you're targeting different combos you can do with different characters so it's basically it's not quite a tactics game in the traditional sense where you're thinking of a a a sprawling grid where anyone can go anywhere you might have some environmental stuff built in ours is kind of like oh gosh i'm gonna pull up Let's see. Have you ever played something like a Mega Man Battle Network or something like that, where it's kind of like you're on one side and your opponent's on the other side, and you kind of have to work within your area to make the most out of basically like area control and positioning and stuff like that. That's kind of what we're getting at, where it's more about not necessarily going into hand-to-hand combat with your opponent, essentially. It's basically making these cool (laughs) formations with your characters to create, execute on your strategies. Yeah, and and I I remember that when I was playing it, I liked when you could use their abilities together to chain reaction things, like pulling somebody across to a mine that another player had set. It was cool to see those combos. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, what I kind of, I guess I kind of our killer app, so to speak, is like are these things that we call stances now basically uh on a character's turn they can do three different things one is they execute a skill which is i'm going to do this right now that's basically anything that a traditional rpg character can do oh i'm going to hit my opponent with something i'm going to do like an aoe or whatever but after that on their turn they can they can use an ability called a stance which is i'm sure most of you probably played xcom Mm -hmm. So in especially in the reboot, there is an ability called Overwatch, and that actually has its roots roots in uh, tabletop gaming. So basically, it's kind of like um, readying an action in Dungeons and Dragons, essentially. Yes. Where you are, you have this trade off of do I want to deal damage now? Or do I want to wait for the most opportune moment to use my abilities? So Jason actually came up with the core idea for this. He had been working on a couple of prototypes long before he was looking for collaborators. And he was playing XCOM and he saw Overwatch and he's like, man, wouldn't it be really cool if there was a game where all the characters had their own unique version of Overwatch and it was just basically all these characters feeding off of each other and causing all these cool chain reactions from just the action of one character doing something. And so that's basically the crux of the design core of our game, which is all these cool chain reactions you can set off and these combos that you, if you play your cards right and you, and you plan ahead accordingly, there could be five, six, seven different things going off at once. And you can kind of just like watch your strategy unfold as you hopefully beat your enemy. So Yeah, I was, I was pretty... 
jazzed about that, frankly. I mean, the cool part of that is, like you mentioned, how you can sort of try to set up your post-movement stances and grid positioning, and then you think about the opponent you're playing, and that opponent now has to desk what kind of stance you might have chosen for that character. And, and I imagine as people play more, they're going to have a better idea of in my head, okay, this character has these stances, so now I need to keep a lookout for that, and it almost acts as a kind of chess. Yeah, it's funny you say chess because we've talked about chess a lot in terms of games that they're kind of strategic element we kind of want to mirror. So it's it, sometimes we say chess, sometimes we actually say Pokemon, of all things, uh, <laughs> because it's funny. So in competitive Pokemon, where I, I didn't really understand it at first because I always knew that it existed, and then I kind of looked it up a couple of years ago. I'm like, man, this is actually really interesting. Something that we share with that game and the competitive scene is you kind of go into the match with a kind of strategy. So in Steam Hounds, before you get into a match, you choose your characters and you lay them out in a starting formation. And so the idea is, okay, I want to use this ability on this character to make this cool combo. How do I do that as soon as I possibly can or in the best way that puts me in a really good position. So you kind of lay out your characters a little bit, kind of like um, when you're creating a party in Pokemon or when you're doing those first couple of moves in chess when everyone's just kind of like posturing and positioning for the most part. So that kind of mimics that. And once you get into the battle, you know what characters your opponent is going to have. But you have no idea where they're going to be on the board. You have no idea what their starting stances are going to be. And you say, ah, okay, what should I do in order to... Should I keep on going with my strategy? Do I need to change things real quick in order to take advantage of a weakness that the opponent has done? Or, oh gosh, like he's going to absolutely steamroll me if I don't move my characters out of the way. Let's do that real <laughs> quick first before I even think about going on the offensive. There's a whole bunch of different things that we really like the idea of there being kind of like that metagame and also an equal kind of emphasis on pregame strategy and in the moment thinking. So we really want to create a game that celebrates both of those types of strategy. Now, what, what else would you say besides you said chess and Pokemon? Is there anything else you'd list as like an influence on this or some sort of inspiration? I mean, uh, gosh, there's <laughs> there are so many, honestly. I, I really like a lot of kind of traditional like CRPGs. So a lot of things that are based on... Dungeons and Dragons, you know, your Neverwinter Nights, your Baldur's Gate, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, more recently, stuff like Darkest Dungeon, where I love the combat in that game because it is just so chunky, I guess, is the best way to describe it. And very it. strategic and placement placing. and Definitely. There's, there's placement and characters have a small set of abilities where you really have to understand how the, how the strengths of those characters interact with the strengths of the other characters on your team. So there's a little bit of that. I play a lot of different games, so I would say also there are different lines that you can draw to connect Steamhounds and kind of like MOBAs in a way where there's a lot of knowledge 
that you can gain by studying all the characters in the game, basically, because they all have every character in Steamhounds has their own unique moveset. There are no shared abilities between anybody. So recognizing what your opponent can do is kind of that extra layer on top of it's like, okay, I know what my characters can do. And on top of that, you start thinking about what strategies can I do between these characters? And then kind of that next step into the competitive kind of mindset is, okay, what can my opponents do? Like, I need to fully understand that. So there's an element of that as well. I noticed when I was playing that the matches that I played were always pretty close, win, win or lose. Have you guys, I think you guys have done a lot of testing out to see what kind of win-loss ratio you should expect, or have you been able to find ways that you can sort of really game the system to rack up the win quick? <laughs> So um, we've had a couple of community tournaments through our Discord so far, and there is one individual who in one tournament went 6-0, and basically. Wow. Uh, so he found something that was really, really good. <laughs> so in the next patch, um, <laughs> hopefully we are going to be introducing a couple of changes, hopefully a new character, a unique and also a unique kind of positioning bonus that will kind of shake up that strategy. The convenient thing about this being so early in development, I say we've been doing this for two years, but honestly, we've all been doing this in basically part-time, like quarter-time almost sometimes. So it's, it's a, it's, it seems like a long time, but honestly, it's, it, it's all been a process for us. The convenient thing about only having five characters in the game right now is that you can fully understand exactly all the intricacies, or at least from the developer's side, all the intricacies of the different strategies between these characters. So it's, it's pretty... I'm not going to say it's easy, but this is the easiest it will be for us <laughs> to balance these characters, basically. So something that we're really looking forward to doing is introducing a lot more characters. Right now, there are five. Depending on our scope of release, we're looking for at least 10... At I would personally, I would love to say at least 12 characters. So every single character that we introduce into the game adds a whole nother layer of complexity. It's not just additive because every character that you add, you can say, okay, how does this character, man, I really want to use the word synergize, but that's terrible. Um, (laughs) Hey, it it makes sense to me. It's, I definitely get that. Um, how, how do they how do they interact with every other character that's already been introduced into the game? And how does that influence the dominant strategies that are there? Does this open up new strategies? Does this counter anything? What is this weak to? And every character that you add onto there, it's it just gets incredibly more complex. So that being said, that's kind of one of our focuses right now is kind of saying, all right, what does the current character roster look like? What do we want to see? What can we do to create new characters that don't have cliche archetypes, essentially? Because that's when you're creating characters that have essentially six moves, because each character has four skills and two stances right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you're trying to give them a unique identity with their toolkit, but you're also trying to give them something that will allow them to be useful in multiple circumstances, basically. So you have to say to yourself, okay, do I make this character really good at this one thing, Mm. or do I try to spread out their utility between different strategies so that this character can be used in multiple ways? 
Hmm, that's it's interesting. It's it's yeah. It's 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 very much just reminds me of like a, yeah, balancing for a fighting game. It's it's so complicated to make sure that you don't introduce one mechanic that can break the game, and then having to adjust the entire game for that. Do you nerf one character? Do you adjust all the other characters so it's not a nerf? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean this is definitely a classic design dilemma, basically, <laughs> um, that a lot of people have wrestled with over the years thankfully jason our programmer is really big into analytics Mm -hmm. so one of the boons of having the game completely online at this point is that every match we can take everything essentially every single data point and feed it into a bunch of lovely charts and graphs and see what people are using see what people are not using seeing what characters are dominant seeing what team compositions are dominant and kind of working off of that. So honestly, the more people we get to play the game, the better the game will be because we'll have more data and a better idea of what's out there in terms of different combinations that people can come up with because I can guarantee we've been at a few shows, a few conventions in the UK and in the US, and I have definitely seen people do stuff that I've never seen before, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is great. It's, yeah. it's, it's an amazing feeling. So really shake up the system. Uh, do, do you uh, see this as being an ongoing game even after release? I mean, I think the goal is that basically, okay, let me qualify this. Ideally, Steam Pounds is going to be a premium game. Okay. So no freemium stuff, no microtransactions, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So ideally, what will happen is that we will release the game into the world. Everybody loves it. <laughs> um, a lot of people are playing it, et cetera, et cetera. And we'd love to come out with expansions that add more characters, etc. There are different scopes of the game that we have built out that include single player mm-hmm. as well as multiplayer. I will say that the bigger scopes include single player because, my goodness, single player can be expensive. Uh, yeah. So depending, <laughs> depending on publishers, depending on funding, who knows, maybe crowdfunding is in the future. We've definitely planned for it. It, it all depends on the interest that we drum up. I would love to introduce single player, and we have some very, I want to say, unique ideas for how that plays out. Mm-hmm. But for now, I think we're, we're really best served by making the core of the game as strong as possible. And that means really exploring the design space that we've set down um, in our demo. So that's kind of what we would love to focus on. We're doing other things as well. I mentioned that we're, we're working with a couple of contractors right now, specifically pixel art and illustration artists. Mm-hmm. And they're basically, yeah, when I, when I talked to you guys earlier, I said that we are looking to do an overhaul slash revamp of our art. Uh-huh. Pixel art will still be there, 100%. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. We're worried about that. It, it is not going anywhere. Funnily enough, I, I, wanna, I don't want to say if it's not true, but I would say with about 95% certainty that all of the art assets, except for the UI and a couple of other things right now, are all, how would I say this? We all bought them off of like stores and stuff of like, like that. So it's basically all temp art. <laughs> so no. okay. we've gotten a lot of compliments on it which is mind-blowing to me because what we want to do is a level above that in quality basically okay 
Um, <laughs> so we're, we're working with a really talented pixel artist who is really good at animations. And we're also working with an incredibly talented character concept artist who will actually make our game look like steampunk. Uh, so, because <laughs> okay. right now the, the characters that we got, they're more of kind of this fantasy-esque pack that we got and it's there's it's always been this nagging thing where it's like you know eventually we're gonna have to replace that (laughs) it says says steam hounds and we got some really cool like promo art and stuff like that but it really needs to actually be steampunk and so we're really itching to get that element in there so right now we're looking at an overhaul of all the existing characters and so they'll be completely reskinned. All of their abilities will be definitely called something else by the time this is done. Mm, yeah. And we're also looking into making a the very interesting, visually interesting battlefield that is very, very steampunk, if I do say so myself. So um, we're kind of feeling that out because once we build those things out, mm-hmm. we'll have a really good idea of, okay, so we've made this many characters and we've made an environment. What does that mean? in terms of development and you know how far can we go with this at certain scopes of the game essentially so we're all really excited to be doing this there's a lot of stuff going on right now we're talking to a few publishers so there's a lot of things up in the air at this point but they're all opportunities and they're all incredibly exciting for us i got another question here uh the name Steam Hounds, is it referring to something in the game itself or is it something more like you guys brainstormed it and thought it sounded cool? Yes, both. Um, <laughs> so, so when we were coming up with, we had a couple of world building sessions and I think maybe even before that, we were like, okay, and this is this is a little bit of uh, Strybasilis history here. But That's what we're here for. Yeah, originally uh, the game when it was in its uh, infancy, it had the temporary title of Pixel Raiders, which was basically uh, the core concept for what these characters are and what they do hasn't really changed. Basically, in the beginning, it was kind of, okay, our game has pixel art in it, check. And they are mercenaries that go like raid these compounds slash companies slash areas or whatever their pixel raiders sure why not um (laughs) as we got farther along it was kind of like all right well that works for kind of maybe something that's like super cutesy i think maybe we we, maybe we can come up with something else so when we were doing some uh world building we were coming trying to come up with some cool ideas for names for these mercenaries that fit into steampunk and gosh i don't know how many names we went through can imagine i can imagine the whiteboard just names after uh, names. Yeah, yeah. We just basically we had this ongoing Google Doc. It was just like you come up with something, write it down. Just doesn't matter how bad it is. We'll just go. <laughs> we'll go down the list, and eventually we settled on this. I'm not even sure if Steamhounds was had like a hundred percent backing between everybody. <laughs> it was basically like that's pretty good, and we have a big event coming up, so we need to put something on our banner. So <laughs> that's no, I. Good. No, I, I like the name. It, it sort of evokes the idea of like a mercenary group of some kind or a rad tad band of uh, adventurers, you know. So I, I think I did it. Yeah, I mean these these guys are grizzled. They're they're hounds basically. It's like in my mind, I 
I, I think I came up with it. I'm pretty sure it did. In my mind, it was basically like, yep, they, these are these grizzled kind of like uh, people who get stuff done. And when you see where, wherever you see steam and stuff blowing up or whatever, they'll be there. So they're they're like hounds. They're they're like very doggedly pursuing their goals. So that was kind of the <laughs> rationale behind it, as goofy as that might sound. But yeah, so it, it seems to have stuck. And um you know, we're far enough in it now that I don't know if we could change it, <laughs> <laughs> even if we wanted to. But no, I, I think we've all gotten a little attached to it at this point. So, yeah, that's basically how we came up with that. And honestly, that's kind of the same way that we came up with the name of our company, Stray Basilisk. It was kind of like, all right, we have a noun and, a, and an adjective. Let's throw them together. And what sounds cool? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. Where are you currently playing? Oh, OK. So... I, I'm not, yeah, <laughs> let me preface this. I did listen to your last episode <laughs> and I got really excited because I am currently playing through a session of Divinity Original Sin 2. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> I, so this is really funny. Um, my partner and I, when we first started dating, we the first game that we ever played together was Divinity Original Sin. So... And when Divinity Original Sin 2 came out, we're like, all right, we're playing this. I backed it really early. We played through that first act like four times during development. And then when it finally released, we're like, okay, we played through it a bunch. But uh, we, we played through, we got through the first act again. And then I can't remember, like life happened. I probably, we probably moved or something or <laughs> we're changing jobs or who knows what. As you do. We put it down. We put it down for a while. Uh, and then we got settled down again. We're like, all right, we're going to play through this so we got all the way up through we are currently i would say about halfway through act four and we basically we're we're playing on two computers at this point so i've got my desktop and uh she's playing on uh my gaming laptop that i used to use for development and it got to a point where we took a break for a second and then we got into some retro games and i was trying to play some games with her i think it was like red alert 2 or something and the laptop was shutting itself off because it was having such a hard time with Red Alert 2. And it got to the point where I'm like, if it can't handle that, it's not going to handle Divinity anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so it's on like indefinite hiatus to finish that game until we can get another machine that can run it well. <laughs> so, I mean, technically you could probably do you know, hot seat mode and I can control two characters and she can control two characters, but we just got so used to doing it. So <laughs> doing it the way that we did. So yeah, that's, that's basically that the white whale right now where I really want to finish it so bad, but I, I want to wait until we can actually play it together. That's one of the things that I'm playing right now. Uh, let's see. I recently got into Subnautica. I kind of missed the boat on that pun completely intended um, <laughs> when that came out and i'm like oh man that looks really cool i think for a while i mixed it up with abzu as well because in my mind those were the two those were both the same game and then <laughs> i picked it up uh, i picked up subnautica on some steam sale i'm like man this is really awesome it's kind of relaxing but also it stresses me the heck out yeah the, at the same exact time it can get real scary <laughs> So I haven't gotten super far in it. I got to the first like big reveal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to do any spoilers for anyone who hasn't played it because I really like that reveal. But yeah, th- I've been playing that. And 
What else have I been playing? Oh yeah, I recently got back into, um, I set up like a, a legacy machine. So I've got this old Dell that has Windows 95 and Windows XP installed on it. Mm. So I've been playing through a lot of like my childhood games and I've been sharing them with my partner. So we've been playing through, like we started playing Red Alert 2 yeah. and mm. we played through, we played through Myst and we decided that we liked it so much that we we're going to play through all the Myst games. Wow, so. that's a that's a big uh, thing to do. <laughs> so, yeah, especially since the first Myst game, you can get through in like a few hours with no problem. But I've never actually played any of the other ones. And I've heard so many things about Riven being just this like big sprawling like masterpiece. And I'm like, yes, I really want to start this. However, <laughs> we got sidetracked again. We started playing through Diablo 2. Oh, um, man. <laughs> so, but, but, we, you, know, yeah. you, you know what? Uh, your your story about how you used to be the one who would always check every nook and cranny. Riven and Miss sounds perfect for you. Oh, <laughs> so. oh totally. And I absolutely love the ridiculous, uh, gosh, I can't remember what they call it. Uh, the like the, the full motion like video capture of like characters on like a set and stuff like that uh, fmv full motion video i mm-hmm. love that i've never seen it done well in a game mm-hmm. uh <laughs> but mist does it well surprisingly enough i think it fits for what you're doing and the way that's presented actually those guys are um i think they just finished a kickstarter cyan who made the original couple of mist games they just finished the kickstarter for firmament i believe which is their first foray into vr actually I played it at PAX East a few months ago, and that was really cool. So if you're into that, I would highly suggest that because it's really interesting considering their like pedigree of the stuff that they've done. Sure. I, I feel like FMV is due for a uh, nostalgia callback period. I mean, we got Night Trap for Switch. We're, we're due for it eventually. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I don't know. I it, The trick is to make it look crappy enough so <laughs> that everyone knows it's still FMV. Uh, so it just has that little bit of like crunchy charm to it that is undeniable for probably a very small sliver of people who are into game. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, earlier we played uh, Late Shift for Nintendo Switch, and that's basically it's like a movie. Yep. Yeah, that was, that was pretty solid. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I've been getting into a lot of like retro stuff right now. So hopefully I don't fall into the old collector. uh, Yeah, like (laughs) getting back into what is it? Warcraft 3 custom matches and uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the the good old days of being able to sit at a computer for about 12 hours and not have responsibilities. So, oh, man, what's that like? I think that's uh, pretty much what we have uh, as far as the interview is concerned. Joel, did you have any more last questions? No, I I covered all that I had. Thanks so much for talking with us today, Andrew. Yeah, of course. It was awesome. Pleasure. Yeah, it was fantastic. So uh, with that, we're going to sign out. Uh, Andrew, uh, it was great talking to you. Good game. Yeah, great talking to you guys. And Joel? Yeah. A good game to you as well. (laughs) Good game. that'll be it for this special episode of super gg radio i'd like to once again thank andrew for joining us and as always you 
Find us on Twitter at SuperGGRadio and twitch.tv slash SuperGGRadio, where Metal Gear Kevin is temporarily on hold because Kevin somehow broke his copy of the game and save file, so he's doing a little bit of research to get that up to speed and retrace his steps back to where he left off. We'll see where he lands it next time. If you'd like to reach us with questions or input, our email address is SuperGGRadio at gmail.com and provide a review on iTunes or the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening and see you soon.